Military Mom Talk Radio. We know behind every soldier, sailor, airman, and marine is the family supporting them. With over 200 episodes in 17 countries, over five seasons, with three million monthly listeners, we are Radio Strong. Now here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. Hey, everybody, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Bob Wheeler. You can find him at themoneynerve.com, and he is an expert on money and relationships, and we like to talk about relationships with money because money is kind of the foundational principle for most people's success. You know, if you can't pay your rent, if you can't pay your car payment, you know, if you're really struggling, it's very hard to reach and grow. It's also very hard to be creative and think outside the box. And so, Money allows us to have stability in our life. And the other thing it has, Bob, and I learned this as a single mom many years ago, when you have money in the bank, you have the power to say no. And that's all well and good until your family gets involved. And so we're going to talk today about issues with family money, especially when one family member makes exponentially more than the others and every family dynamic has different relationships with money and we're going to talk about that today bob welcome to the show great to be here sandra thanks for having me it's a great topic because you know (laughs) i know (laughs) even personal experience it's nobody gets by this topic right we're all impacted Right. And whether you're on the needing side or on the abundance side or the lack side and the abundance side, because on the abundance side, I can tell you there's guilt, there's shame, there's frustration, and then there's anger sometimes that people are asking you for help. And I know that is particular with me with a couple of family members who are chronically unemployed. And they're chronically unemployed while I am chronically employed, sometimes seven days a week. And I'm not trying to talk about how much better I am, but some people are better at managing money. Some people are better at keeping jobs than others. That's just a fact. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the family dynamic, it's depending on which birth child you were, uh, depending on how your parents viewed money. Uh, sometimes depending on if you were the boy or the girl, uh, all of those things start to add layers of how we deal with our money. Right. And if you have parents, like for my parents, mine were depression era parents. So, you know, everything was saved, everything was recycled and reused. And, you know, those are all very good principles, but at some point you have to throw that glass out. Like you cannot store pickle jars for 45 years. And, you know, there is, you know, some, some of that fallback with me, because my kids make fun of me, Bob, because I'm like, okay, paper goes here, we recycle that, you know, glass goes here, we rinse out our cans, the lids go in the metal jar. And they're like, Mom, you're kind of like the recycling Nazi. And you know, I have to make sure the the faucet is shut off immediately upon, you know, like, don't let it run two more seconds. You know, those are the things I was raised with. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one could argue that those are great ways to leave a less of a footprint on the earth, right? Saving the water and recycling. But also, yeah, but there's that scarcity mindset. I have a bit of that too. You know, my parents, 
had a big family. And so I feel really comfortable when I have six months worth of food in the cabinet. Me I don't need too. it. <laughs> it's just Me too. I'm like bunker sand. Like I've got yeah. a whole pantry. We could probably, you know, I was looking at with everything going on with Texas and, you know, some things that were happening, you know, with climate change around the world. And, you know, people are like, oh, I have three weeks of food and three weeks of water. I'm like, I could probably go a year, Bob, yeah. if push came to shove. And we have a family of four with two teenage boys and hollow legs. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, and the interesting thing, too, is I found myself saying, you know, I don't have anything to eat, but there's 82 things in the freezer and there's five cupboards full. But like, no, but I want sushi today, so I don't have anything to eat. Right. <laughs> that's the male version of I don't have anything to wear for my whole closet right. full of like exactly. beautiful clothes. But it is, you know, there is something to be said about this. And, you know, there's also the personal, like everybody has also their own personal relationship with money. And, you know, Bob, for a while there, like I have been very, very wealthy in my life. I've been very, very broke. I started out broke, got very wealthy, divorced, you know, crash and burn, you know, no money in the bank, check to check back to wealth. And on my second return to wealth, um, I have a different appreciation for things and I have a different relationship with things. You know, I think also age, you know, we talked about birth order. We talked about gender. We talked about our parents, but the other thing is also about age. You know, what I was willing to spend money on in my twenties, I'm not willing to spend money on in my forties. I think it's stupid, but I can't go back to my 20 year old self and say, you were stupid because, you know, I had a lot of fun. Like I bought a fur coat. Who needs a fur coat in Southern California? I still have it. You know, it's in storage. I wear it when I go to Montreal or when I'm up in the upper Canadian provinces, you know, so it's, it's, but it's a ridiculous purchase for a 20 something in Southern California. But it, at the moment, it gave you satisfaction when you did it. Yes. And I felt accomplishment. I felt it's the same reason when I bought my Lexus. I went from a Chevy Cavalier to a high-end Lexus. Uh-oh. Upgrade. You know, <laughs> talk about, you know, a big jump between, you know, the two cars. But it it was it was an acknowledgement to myself. It wasn't really about showing off to others, Bob. Yeah. It was an acknowledgement to myself that I did this. I earned this car. You know, it wasn't a lease. It wasn't, you know, making payments for 12 yep. years, trying to, you know, keep up. I went in, I wrote the check, just like when I bought my fur coat, you know, I bought a fancy watch and I was like, okay, I accomplished this. Like, it was weird, Bob. They were almost like um, benchmarks. Yeah. And then after that, I don't wear the watch. It sits in my safe. I don't wear the coat. It's in a freezer. And then I traded in the car for a minivan when I had kids. Well, there you go. <laughs> Bob, you know, I'm just going to jump in here and thank our sponsor because our sponsor today is Best Fiends. And Best Fiends is this digital game that's super fun. And I don't know, Bob, if you remember what games you played when you were growing up. Our family played. We played uh, Monopoly. We played Scrabble, you know, things like that. And then we used to stay out really late at night because where I'm from, the northern, very northern part of the United States, the sun stayed out till like 10 o'clock at night. So we used to play this game called Spud. And, you know, I really miss those days. And 
And playing Best Fiends makes me feel like I'm a kid again. It makes me feel like I'm running around outside in the middle of the night, throwing a ball up and yelling spud. And one of the things that I love about Best Fiends, and I've been playing it for a couple years now, I actually played it this morning, is it's a great brain break. It takes me away from all the stress that I have in my work and, you know, taking care of my dad, taking care of my kids as a single mom. And it's really fun. And I love the music. I love the colors. And I love that I can come back back and be guaranteed each time that a level will be challenging but not frustrating and it's just so much fun and the music is great and they clap for you and I do feel a sense of accomplishment when I finish a level and that's something that doesn't always happen in my workday you know my projects can take months so it really does allow me to have a pickup during the business day and you know especially at night when I'm frustrated or tired and I can't go to sleep I can play a few rounds have some satisfaction have a little fun and then kind of go off to sleep and it is a totally fun game you're gonna love it so download this five-star rated puzzle game, Best Fiends, free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's Friends Without the R, Best Fiends, Friends Without the R. And it is almost too much fun. I can't stop playing and I have to put a time limit. I'm like, okay, I can play for 10 minutes. At 10.10, I'm going to get back to work. I start at 10. But it is super fun, you guys. I encourage you to try it. So download this five-star rated puzzle game, Best Fiends, free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's Friends Without the R, Best Fiends, Best fiends. You will love it. You'll be glad you did. You can find me on the game pretty much anytime uh, during my off hours. So, you know, Bob, we were talking about things that we tolerated and, and um, you know, the things that we tolerated younger in our spending that we would never tolerate today. You know, but yeah, we do. We go through the stages of what we can tolerate or not tolerate. And I think there's nothing wrong with rewarding yourself or having that benchmark of look what I've accomplished. There's nothing to apologize for uh, when we, when we have those things and reward ourselves. But I do think there's a lot of judgment, especially Mm -hmm. when you come from like, I don't know where you originated before Southern California. I was outside of Buffalo, you know, near the Canadian border and the, in the, the community in which I was raised was not, (laughs) You know, I mean, they were fur fur wearing people because of the bitter cold, but, you know, it wasn't a status. It wasn't an accomplishment. And, you know, I remember the first time I saw a Mercedes, I was like maybe 14 years old, you know, and I saw it go by and I thought to myself, I'm going to have a nice car like that. You know, I'm not going to, you know, drive what I was driving, no judgment, but it was important to me. And it was important for me to have that. But you know what was funny, Bob? It wasn't important for me to keep it. Like I didn't have a problem trading it in for my minivan. I'm like, okay, been there, done that. You know, it was great while it lasted. Now I'm ready for, you know, diapers and Cheerios and I don't want to have to deal with them in a luxury car. Bob, I'm just going to jump in here for a second because now is a really good time to thank our sponsor. Our sponsor today is Talkspace. And as we talk about changes and the relationship we have with money and the difficulties that we are having, it's just the perfect sponsor for today's show. And we want to thank them for supporting the military community 
community and their mental health. And you know, last year, Bob was rough on everyone from politics to the pandemic. The entire world was affected in some way or another. And that's why it's time for everyone to turn a corner, to move forward from the things that were holding us back and to take the lessons we learned in 2020 and apply them to our lives from now on. Turn a corner with therapy. The sooner you start, the further you'll go. Now, you guys know I'm a huge proponent of therapy. It helped me with my mom's passing, with bringing in my dad and becoming a veteran caregiver while being a single mom, soul supporting and working full time. That was really hard for me. And my therapist was everything. I really think she's a key contributor to my overall success and happiness. And Talkspace lets you send and receive unlimited messages with your dedicated therapist in the Talkspace platform 24-7. With Talkspace, you set goals with your therapist and they hold you accountable and they make sure you're really progressing. And Talkspace is so great because therapy can help shift your perspective. You can find tools to cope in difficult times and be a guiding light. You know what? Talkspace is affordable. It's a fraction of the cost of in-person therapy. And instead of waiting for an appointment, you can send unlimited messages to your therapist 24-7 and they'll engage with you daily, five days a week. Talkspace has thousands of licensed therapists with years of experience in over 40 specialties, including depression, anxiety, substance abuse, trauma, anger management, relationship issues, food and eating, and so much more. And you guys know the military family, we have so many different conditions that aren't affected in the civilian world. And to get help really can help you navigate these things better. And you know what? Talkspace is secure and private, and it uses the latest end-to-end bank-grade and Christian technology to store client information, and it complies with the latest HIPAA regulations. As a listener of this podcast, you will get $100 off your first month with Talkspace. So to match yourself with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com and make sure you use the code MILITARYMOM. That'll get you $100 off your first month and it'll show your support for the show. That's MILITARYMOM and Talkspace.com. MILITARYMOM and Talkspace.com. You will be so glad you did and thank you, thank you Talkspace for supporting the military family. You know, Bob, I know that you think I'm a little silly with, you know, trading in my luxury car for my minivan and actually being happy about it, you know, but that was a really big deal for me. No, absolutely. And um, that just lets me know that you're not tied to your ego uh, when it comes to those things. It's it had it satisfied you for a moment and then something else came along and it wasn't like, no, people will now think I can't afford the Mercedes. And um, I didn't see my first Mercedes till I was in college and I grew up in a small town in Tennessee and I was down in Mississippi and uh, one of the camp counselors had a Mercedes and I'm like, and I rode in it, my goodness. And uh, you know, and when I got to college, there were a lot of wealthy kids. So everybody had really nice cars. I had a $200 Plymouth Fury uh, that I used aluminum foil to help the battery. Oh my God. I, had a <laughs> I had a Buick Century with an Oldsmobile engine put in it by family. And I drove in one time to the car place and they're like, ma'am, you are driving a Buick. I'm like, pop the hood. It's an Oldsmobile under there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I've, uh, you know, I have, I've had those, uh, moments where I was driving the $200 car. Yeah. Um, but it got me where I wanted to go and everybody used my car in college because, it didn't matter if it got damaged. <laughs> right. It's like if you spill something, you know, that goes back to my, you know, my, my, you know, 
when I was getting divorced, Bob, I went to this really posh um, law firm to get my divorce taken care of. And my kids were like, I mean, Bob, I mean, this was your typical Beverly Hills, leather, everything, beautiful, everything. My ex was supposed to have my kids that day. He didn't. So I roll in with, you know, the double stroller, the yeah. sticky, juicy cups. When we left that, that little area, it looked like a bomb went off. I mean, was Cheerios, the nice magazines that were artfully displayed. Like one was on the floor, one was on a chair. Like, That's right. you know, it was ridiculous. And, you know, those were the times where I'm like, you know, kids, little kids plus luxury don't work. And I didn't want to be that parent that was screaming at my kids not to ruin you know, like they put their feet up on the dashboard. You know, right. if you have a nice leather dashboard, you don't want your kids sneakers with, you know, grit from the track in there, scratching up your beautiful dash. That's right. No white couches. No, <laughs> none of the fancy stuff. It's right. just not, it's not the time. It's not the time. Well, and that's, that's the thing of like, when you're, when you're on your road to wealth and maybe you have wealth and then you don't have wealth and then you have yep. wealth again, um, it's about owning what you appreciate. Like I really appreciated driving a nice car. I really yeah. appreciated driving the right car for my young kids. And, you know, when you look at these things to other people, their, their opinion of you, their view of you. And, you know, like, yes, no one can make you feel bad without your consent, except those right. people do not have like, you know, my brothers and sisters and my mom and dad, like, you know, <laughs> everybody has that. And there's that kind of tacit judgment of like, oh, you have another car. Like, why right. wasn't that car good enough? And I'm like, well, it wasn't the right car for what I needed it to do. And the funny thing is, Bob, if it was the difference between like a Mercedes and a, you know, a dually, you know, double bed pickup truck, because you have to haul hay, it wouldn't even be a question. Right. But I think there was a lot of personal shame for me with the things that I had, because I felt bad that other people didn't have them, which was really stupid. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny when you talk, it just reminded me uh, when I was a comic and, uh, you know, and I was doing accounting, but uh, all my friends were comics. We didn't have a lot of money and I was just, things were starting to get ahead. And I had just bought a Mercedes because people had been telling me as a CPA, it didn't look good driving around in my little Corolla. And, uh, and in LA, you are what you drive to a degree. Yes, to a degree. And so I had just gotten this Mercedes and I was at this party with everybody at Trader Vic's. Um, I think it's called down in Beverly Hills and they drove up, you know, I was ready to go and they pulled up valet pulled up with a Mercedes and nobody was going to the car. Right. And we're all sitting there waiting for somebody to get in the car and they're honking and we're waiting. And my friends are like, Oh my God, some idiot. They don't know it's their car. And I'm like, yeah. Oh my God, that's my car. <laughs> I'm like, that's mine. Everybody was like, what? <laughs> I'm like, I bought a Mercedes, <laughs> but I wasn't buying it for the status. And so in my mind, I for, I mean, I just got it. I forgot. Like I was looking for my Corolla. <laughs> well, it's a business tool for some industries. Like, you know, definitely in the entertainment industry, you're not going to roll in for meetings and put, go in the parking lot with, you know, all of the other writers and, and you know, you know, driving, you know, 
a, a, a junk car. I mean, it just, it was the well, same thing in real estate. When I worked at, at Cobalt Banker Beverly Hills, you know, you're not going to roll up to sell a $10 million house, you know, in a, like I had a, had a little Mazda Miata for many years because it was great zipping around the hills up there yeah. and I could park anywhere, but the back window got moldy. So it wouldn't matter whether it was a hundred degrees or nine degrees. I had to keep the top down because right. the window got moldy and, you know, all of those things, depending on where you are in the world can matter or not matter. But I think that we have to check ourselves regularly to go, okay, why am I making this big purchase? And as long as you're cognizant of it, you know, like for me, I was like, well, I earned it and I'd like to reward myself. Very good reason. But if it's because I just got divorced and I'm feeling bad about myself and I have to prove something, not a good reason. Like, and your reasons are your own, no matter what people think of you. No, absolutely. And it was interesting for me when I bought the Mercedes, I actually reached out to five or six of my very wealthy clients. And I said to them, would it make a difference to you if I drove a Corolla or a Mercedes? And all of my clients said, well, you better be driving a Mercedes. Why would I want to be with an accountant that's not successful? That's right. And I said, but wouldn't you be excited that I was being really efficient with my money? They're like, no, no, I want to see your success. Right. I want some visual proof of success. And that's where, you know, I thought about like a lot of my, when I worked in in Beverly Hills a lot with with certain clientele, you know, I would always automatically put on my good watch, you know, not my, you know, fitness watch. Now, once you get to know people and you're, you know, you've had them clients 20 years, I didn't have a problem, you know, driving up in my minivan to go, you know, do anything. Um, And I, you know, I think, but it's a balance, it's a balancing act. And, you know, one of the things I learned about getting on the radio 15 years ago was I'm going to have, let's say at the time I had maybe 500 listeners, like there wasn't anybody listening to my show. So I was really conscious of the posts that people would put up, the comments they would put up. And it was about a year, Bob, before I realized, you know, those 500 people are going to have 500 different opinions of me. They're going to either think I did poorly, did well. They're going to like my voice, not like my voice. They're going to think my headshot is ugly. Like all the things under the sun that trolls come out to, to push. Yeah. And it's kind of the same, like, like bulletproof vest you have to put on in your family. Because when you roll up in your car, that's a business car and a business expense, yeah. or you bought yourself a nice watch because you hit your goals. Yeah you know, you kind of have to put that bulletproof and, and kind of ignore the side eyes. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, it's interesting. My, my father is older um, and he was uh, on his own for many, many years. And uh, so we've all sort of reemerged into the picture, but it was interesting. Um, I was up visiting him and he was just really fascinated with like, Oh, you're so wealthy. Oh, you're so well. And I'm, I'm like, Okay, I don't know where you get the idea that I have hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, Yes, I have assets. They're not liquid. Uh, I still have to watch my money. I don't I don't just because I have uh, more money in the bank than maybe somebody else does doesn't mean I get to be irresponsible with my money. Um, I still have to be conscious and intentional. And he was really surprised by that when I said, just because, you know, yes, I've got real estate. That doesn't mean I can go out and write a check against it. It, It's, 
I have to maintain oh, it. You know, I have not worked with other than maybe some very young music celebrities or sports celebrities um, or, you know, radio, television, film celebrities. Maybe those are flippant with their money and they don't even think about what things cost. Yeah. But by and large, you know, I worked, you know, I was 12 years at Coldwell Banker Beverly Hills. You're going to meet some pretty powerful, influential they looked at the contracts and said, you know, we're not paying these junk fees or we're not, you know, and it was a, you know, and you could look at them and go, wow, you're being cheap. You're buying a $10 million house and you don't want to pay this $500 junk fee. But the whole point is it's the principle. We all knew they were junk fees, you know, adding, you know, processing fee, the filing fee, the, this fee, the, that fee, you know, and if somebody is not aware and they, they are willing to pay that fine, if they're, you know, strike it off the contract. But I remember being amazed that some of these celebrities that I would turn on the TV and watch their television show that went 10 years, you know, that they would be, and they're like, and I, I asked one of them, um, uh, and I won't say his name, but it's a famous military show that's run a long time and he's the star. And he said to me, San, you ha- always have to be mindful of your money. Yeah. Like if you don't watch it, nobody else will. And you'll turn yeah. around and it will be gone. And he wasn't talking from a scarcity mindset. I mean, he could buy this $10 million house probably 10 times over but he was mindful of how he was spending it and he wasn't nickeling and diming and he wasn't wasting his time because the other purchase that we did with him, he said something else very interesting to me because, you know, you get to talk to people and we yeah. talk about things. And he said, you know, I really think that I'm overpaying for this property by X amount, but I have a movie coming out. I've got you know, the, the film series, he's like, I'm producing two executive series. He goes, I really don't have time to quibble about the $25,000. So let's just call it a day. So it was right. interesting to go, okay, you would strike out the junk fees because you had time to do that. But then it hit me that he has only the same 24 hours I do. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a really smart, again, intentional and conscious decision-making uh, tool where he's saying, I don't have the time. And I don't have six months to go look for something else. I don't have time to haggle. I did, let's just get this done. Because in that moment, the 25000 is cheaper uh, to pay than even the 500 was when it was the junk fees and he had the time. Right. Right. And it was like when I was a single mom and I was pretty broke, um, you know, and I was stuck in my house. It's not it was a recession. I couldn't sell it. Um, And I would clean my own pool. And then finally, I'm like, this is ridiculous. I'm not strong enough. This pool is big. I can't lift the chemicals. So I hired this pool guy. And one of my other single mom friends was like, oh, well, look at you, you know, with your pool man kind of thing. And I'm like, if I go to work, Bob, and I work, you know, programming at my computer, which is what I was doing in those days, yeah. I can make more money. Like it would literally cost me like $500 to clean the pool right. for the $500 I could make working, you know, two, three hours on a project. And it wasn't, right. it's not that it wasn't worth my time, but it was financially irresponsible for me to clean my own pool when I can't lift the chemicals, I can't brush the whole pool and right. then raise two kids as a single mom, get the groceries done, get everything you know else done under the sun. Like we yeah. only have 24 hours but we're also not unlimited resources with energy. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, again, it's figuring out what works for you and not trying to appease or accommodate 
the other family members or the friends and neighbors that might be, oh, well. Right. Or the voices in your head. Or the you voices know, Those are the head. ones that are most powerful. It's like, you know, what do you mean you don't do your own dishes and your own laundry? And it's like, I'm working 12 hour days. I've got, you know, two kids, I've got this. So if I hire somebody to come in and do the laundry, everybody is more productive. Yeah, but I absolutely. had to write that in my head going, well, you know, you could before you go to bed, throw it and you could change it before, but it wasn't happening. Yeah, no. And it's, you know, even when I was broke, uh, even when I was struggling from a very early age uh, after getting out of college, I always had a housekeeper come once a week, change the sheets, do the laundry, iron my shirts. And so that when I come in on a Friday afternoon, I have a fresh place. And that was something that was important to me. Even if I was eating ramen noodles, I was going to have iron shirts and uh, a clean bed because that was important to me. And I didn't like doing it. Right. And it's, it's the other thing too, is, is we do need, you know, and this is something that I've recognized more, you know, with, with the cancer treatments that I've been going under for the last 14 months, we do need sleep. You know, we do need rest. We do need downtime. And if you want to be effective in your business, you know, one of the things that I learned by working with some of the most wealthy people in the world is they preserved their time more than they preserved money. And they preserved their energy even more than they preserved time. Like I remember this one actress and again, you know, every household name and I was, I was doing a showing and and she's like, you know, she's like, you guys need to be out by three. She goes, I really have to get to bed. And I'm like three o'clock in the afternoon. And she's like, yeah, she's like, I have to be on set at four and it's going to take me two hours to get into wherever it is. She's like, so, and she goes, I can't mess up. There's 200 people on set. And she goes, I have to sleep. So, you know, I ran through as fast as I could, you know, got everything done. And then, and I thought to myself on the drive home going, okay, she didn't just go, oh, well, I want to get my house sold so sleep can wait and too bad, you know, if I'm tired, so what the next morning? I mean, when you're trying to do something bigger or greater than you've done, you need that energy. Yeah, it's so important. And I think, you know, in a situation like that or many other situations, taking care of yourself is actually okay. (laughs) It's not a bad thing when you're actually listening to your body, thinking about, what's coming ahead and then actually taking steps to take care of yourself. Right. I mean, it's like when you're sick, you know, you get a diagnosis like me, all of a sudden it's like, Oh, everybody's like, Oh, sure. Go take a nap. Nobody has asked me, Bob, in the past 14 months to volunteer for anything. They haven't Uh, asked me to write a check. They haven't asked me to come and do something at the school, at the sports, at the whatever, you know, it's like this hands-off thing, but saving money. (laughs) Exactly. But no, I still write checks, but, but, you know, the whole point is that I was a resource that was available to everyone and I was giving my time away. Like I'm happy yeah. to give away money. I can always make more money, but yeah. when you give away your time, you can't get that back. Right now it's gone. It's gone. And it's, you know, it's interesting because when I go to uh, parties, when I go out and people find out that I'm a CPA and I'm sure this happens to doctors as well. But, oh, hey, I have a tax question. Hey, just one little question, but what would be the capital gains tax on this? Do you, and, and all of a sudden, you know, everybody wants 30-minute tax consultations. And I'm like, uh, 
I'm off the clock. You know what? I have the best answer for that because that happened to me in tech. They always have a computer program, a phone yeah. program, an internet program, a Wi-Fi program, you know, some sort of problem that they need help with my, you know, my background. And it happened in real estate too. People would say, oh, what's going on in the market? What's, you know, I, I'm thinking of selling my house. What do you think? And my response was always, why do you ask? I would let them tell their problem. And then I'd say, why don't we set up an appointment on Monday and we can talk about it? <laughs> because, you know, it, it, you're basically saying this is a party. It's not appropriate. And secondly, right. you know, you're just wanting free information from me. Right. And this, my livelihood is my intellectual property. Right. Absolutely. You know, so why do you ask? Oh, well, yeah. maybe we should set up an appointment to talk. That's great. Or I can ask them for their address so I can send them the bill. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah, because yeah. it is awful, you know, and especially when you're trying to unwind. Yeah. You know, I found this like when, when it got through the soccer community and the softball community that I was really good at fixing computers. And I can't oh. tell you, but I started charging for it, Bob, because by the fifth Chromebook screen, you know, all the kids have Chromebooks. Right. So they go to the mall and it's $150 to get a Chromebook screen replaced. Well, I made the mistake of one mom. I said, well, you know what? Give me your kid's Chromebook. I'll order the part, you know, and I'll put it in. And, you know, and it took me maybe, you know, 15, 20 minutes, maybe a half yeah. hour, get it all cleaned up, put, give it back to her. She's like, oh, this is great. And she paid only for the screen. Then it was like, my kid's got a crack screen. I've got a crack screen, crack screen, crack screen, crack screen. Oh my God. So I finally said, you know what? I'm happy to do it, but you're going to have to buy the screen, bring it to me. Like they can order it and bring the, bring the unit to me, bring the screen to me and a hundred bucks in cash. Because I'm like, this is not, and it was still cheaper than going to the mall, buying right. it, you know, dropping it off for a week and whatever, you know, cause kids, you know, go through Chromebook screens like water. Yeah. No, it's crazy. It's crazy, but that's smart to know your value and know your time yeah. and, and then set a boundary. Yeah, because I didn't want to be resentful because that's yeah. the thing that, you know, if people are listening today and they're asking a professional for free advice, whether that's a counselor, you know, whether it's a lawyer, a doctor, a, an accountant, really a, a real estate person, anyone who has a business where they sell their own like intellectual property is what I call it. You know, your yeah. own thoughts, your way doing, you know, all these things. Um, like you would never walk into, like I would never walk into somebody's party and go, hey, you know, I'd really like you to clean out my kitchen yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because you're a cleaning person. So yeah. why don't you just clean my kitchen for free? And yeah. I don't think people think of it that way. Right. But the thing that they need to be aware of is the resentment that it creates. And I will avoid that person. I will not sit next to you at soccer because you're going to want all this free advice. I will yep. not have a play date with your kid because you'll stop me in the driveway and ask me five questions, you know, when yep. you're picking up your kid or whatever. And so, you know, those type of questions are are not appropriate for these areas. And, you know, if you are a service vendor that provides your intellectual property to people in exchange for money, always do the, why do you ask? And then let's set up an appointment. Yeah. I think that's so important. And I know early on for me, I didn't, I thought, well, you know, it's so easy for me. I know the answers. And so right. initially I would go, oh, well, I don't want to seem rude. And, or, you know, it's like, it's just time out of my brain. 
But then I did start to say, well, wait a minute, this is sort of silly. I get hounded wherever I go um, and I'm allowed to have a break <laughs> and they can do it during business hours. Right. Well, and the other thing is, you know, like with the programming, you know, I went to school for six years. You know, I'm sure you did too. Like, you know, nobody pops out with, with all this knowledge for free. And then I have continuing education units. I'm sure yep. you do too. I do. You know, we have to go and we have to learn the new, for me, I've got to learn, you know, the new, you know, privacy laws, all these things, you know, we've got to keep up on this stuff. So it isn't just, Hey, I learned how to swim once and let me show you how to do a stroke. I have to reinvest in my business and take my time away to have that knowledge. So why would you think I would give it to you for free? You have done nothing but stand next to me and like swizz down a drink. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, it's so interesting. I've had several times people say to me, you're so lucky you're a CPA. And I say, well, here's the thing. I actually had to go to school. And I actually had to take specific classes and then I had to take this crazy test and it actually wasn't really luck. (laughs) I actually worked for it. Well, I think that's the, you know, that was kind of the mindset that I had, you know, when I first went to Northwestern and then I first started working at Disney and CBS and then worked for Coldwell Banker, Beverly Hills, is that I always thought in some way, like rich people were lucky. They were somehow blessed. Now, some of them were, some of them were married into wealthy families or they were born into wealthy families. But the most important thing I learned about wealth in families, Bob, was they viewed money differently than I did. Yeah. They viewed money as a commodity to exchange for things that made them wealthier, Right. That was like, you know, like the the maid when you don't have any money, but you're focusing the time and energy that you have on creating your business or creating your wealth, you know, doing the 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 well, what I call money hours. You know, I yeah. have I have roughly 30 money hours in the week, Bob, and that's when I'm in prime. I can make money, I can program, talk, do, you know, whatever the things are that cause income to come into my company. I've got about 30 of those. After yeah. that, I'm kind of too tired. I'm yeah. frazzled. My kids need me. My dad needs me, you know, or I have to be in chemo. Like, you know, those right. things, you know, make a dent in that. But knowing what my money hours are, those yeah. are my non-negotiable. Don't come and stop and visit me. You know, don't yeah. call me on the phone because I won't pick up. I am yeah. focused on making money. And that was one of the things that I learned. And I saw that people who acquired wealth and managed their wealth and kept their wealth. Because yeah. anybody can get it once, right. but can you keep it? And yeah. a lot of that is about setting up these really good boundaries with money, which is I might sometimes pay for something to make my life easier not so I can lay around drinking, you know, pineapple juice at the pool, but right. so that I can focus on the work that I need to do. Yeah. And you know, the word that you said, that's so important. And most people hate this word boundaries, yeah. healthy boundaries. It's so important, especially when it comes to money and your time to be able to say, yeah, I'm not able to do that. I really hear that you would like to have some of my money. Um, or I really hear that you wish you had my life or whatever it is. You know, I've learned, and it's not always fun to be just really clear. Yeah, I really hear you. Right. And and here's my boundary. Right. 
you know, and sometimes, you know, people get mad and people get frustrated. And, but then I look back, like, you know, Bob, when people want something from me more than I feel is acceptable to my boundaries, put it that way. Mm -hmm. So when I feel it's overreaching or it's too much, or they're asking too much or asking for too much money or something I'm not comfortable with, I think back to when my kids were little and Bob, I paid for a housekeeper nanny in the house during my working hours. So I had six hours to make enough money to pay for all of us in LA, which is not easy. And then in the morning I would go to the gym with my kids because they had daycare for $2 an hour. And I would do a five minute, 10 minute workout that I would stand in the shower and I would curl my hair and I would tell the ladies at the, at the daycare that, you know what, I'm working out. If you don't find me in the gym, check the showers. Cause I might be in the shower getting ready for work because with two toddlers, a six month old and a two and a half year old, I'm yeah. not getting ready for work before I get those kids in the car, unless I get up before they get up. And they were like dueling banjos. One was up right. all the time. So I would stick them in the gym and that was in Santa Clarita in the morning. Then I would do my work day. Then I would take my housekeeper nanny to the train so she could get home to her family. I would take the kids and we would go to another gym in the same membership where I could sign up for two more hours of time. And I would, I would go spend 15, 20 minutes of that, maybe 30 minutes of that two hours for a workout. And then half the time, Bob, I would lay on the bench in the women's locker room on my back with a towel over my head and I would be just resting. I like, I couldn't do one more thing so that by the time I could get my kids out of the second daycare at the gym, I could get to the grocery store, buy whatever we needed for a couple days, come home, cook it, then get the kids to bed in, in time to get up and do it all over again. But they were like, wow, you're a single mom. You go to the gym twice a day. And I'm like, uh, yeah, don't call me buddy, but it's really the childcare. And I, I know there were so many other mothers like me that use that childcare to watch their kids, to just take a shower. But that was the wellness that I needed. Yeah. And that's, it's so important about scheduling and being efficient, especially when you've got a lot to do, you're raising kids or, or whatever it might be. You know, I'm very uh, attached to my schedule. I mean, I schedule in my fun, you know, I, um, I, I schedule all that and people are like, Oh, you're so stuck on your schedule. But the thing is I'm much more efficient and I'm focused. Well, and, and your emotional relationship with your schedule is important. Yeah. You know, like I have a morning routine. I have a night routine. My night routine, Bob, hasn't deviated in five years. It's a 30 minute online yoga class. Then I do a 15 minute guided meditation right off my phone. I take a bath. I sit in my chair. I have one of those little back massage chairs. Yep, you know, nice. I sit in that. I take my vitamins. I drink a big thing of water. I put on my eye thing because the people next to me have those stupid security lights that go on all night. So I wear this like, you know, stupid little eye mask, but you know, and I'm in bed by 10 because if I stay up till 11 or 12 and I could be, I could be playing video games. I'm a huge gamer. Like I could game all night long and not even realize it. Like I literally, like I need to go to gamers anonymous because once I start and then I have this thing where I start playing these, like, you know, logic games or number games, I'll go all night because I can play up to five. I've played up to 500 rounds without a loss. 
Wow. Like just go, 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 go. And I'm drinking. I'm taking it into the bathroom with me. I'm yeah. like, nope, I'm just, just, just don't slow my roll kids like back off. Yeah. I know that about myself. So I have to shut my phone off. Like I have to put it away from my bed because it might say, Hey friend, we haven't seen you in a while. Right. <laughs> you it's... know, come play the number game. No, that's so important. I love games too. But I, in college, I would go and play the games and stuff. And then, oh, I have an exam in the morning. So I deleted all the games off my computers. I don't put any games on my phone. And I don't even go and look at, because I love doing them. Yes. Well, I absolutely like love it. I'm not going to put chocolate chip cookies on the counter right w- next to the fridge. Because I will not go to the fridge for something fresh. I'll go yeah. to the cookies. The cookies are the best. I, keep, I do not keep snacks in the house. Yep. That's Um, the boundaries. You You know, you sound like a lot like me, but when I started looking at people who I wanted to be like, you know, I wanted to have that financial security. You know, I didn't want to have buckets of money, Bob, because I wanted to have buckets of money or to be better than the next person. I wanted to be able to go to sleep at night, knowing that if my kids needed anything, I could pay for it. Knowing if I got sick, which I'm really glad I did, that I could still pay my bills, still pay my mortgage you know I'm very security driven but part of that is saying no like if I'm going to say yes to financial security I have to say no to a ten thousand dollar handbag I have to say no to you know video game playing at night I have to say no to volunteering every weekend for my kids soccer stuff I can do it once yeah. You no, know, and I can give money to do it because I hired one time, I hired some high school kids to do my shift at the baseball snack bar. And people were like, what? And I'm like, I have two kids. One's in the soccer field. One's in the baseball field. How am I supposed to like, last I checked, I couldn't split into three people. Right. Right. So you exactly. scheduled me for the, you know, the, 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 the snack bar at the baseball group. And you sent me this text. This is your time. I covered it. Yeah. That's all that's required. <laughs> right. Right. You needed somebody to stand there, take a dollar bill and hand a Snickers bar. Like this isn't rocket yeah. science. And these were good kids, you know, A plus students in the school district. Everybody knows them. They're not going to rip you off. And they did a good job. Yeah. So that from that point onward, it changed the way working parents were allowed to do their snack bar hours. There were teens that could sign up and could cover your shift. And, you know, but I was the first one. So that made me the target. Right. How dare you? Or, right. oh, you think you're so rich, you can just pay kids to take your your right. job inst- instead of saying, oh, wow, that was actually just a really smart move. Right. Right. If I, if I can't be, you know, three places at once and you can't send a, you can't send a teen to watch your six-year-old be his first time in goal. Like not, you are not the, the same. Parent have to be there you know you can't but you can send somebody to work a snack bar yeah absolutely absolutely and that's why these conversations about money and wealth and leverage are so important bob because i know as a single mom and i had moved to this community and become suddenly single when my husband left and i was only living here like eight months And I didn't have kids in the school district. So I didn't know anyone. I didn't have any support system. And then, you know, because of the state of California, I can't move more than like, I would have loved to move back to New York with my family, but that wasn't an option. So when you're left alone with your thoughts for me, like for three years of thoughts, you think some really insane thoughts. And then if somebody says something to you, 
you know, you just fall apart. And, and right. that mental health component about your relationship with wealth is really important to, to kind of protect and preserve. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, you bring up a good point that our mental health is uh, tied, to, like there is an impact regarding finances. If I'm in survival mode, if I'm thinking, what am I going to do about this? And I got to pay the rent. I got, uh, our mental state is, is, is um, depleted. Right. And, and, and so it's so important to, even in those places when we're feeling overwhelmed, you know, I certainly have clients that are a place where like, oh my God, my life's falling apart. I don't have any money. And I'll, first thing I'll say is breathe. Right. <laughs> like, let's just breathe. Let's take it one step at a time. Nobody's coming to haul you off to jail. You're not going to die, even though they're right. calling. there's no debtor's prison anymore. There's no debtor's prison. <laughs> let's just go through it step by step and just keep focusing on the ball instead of like, but they're calling and they're, th we'll, we'll get through it. You'll get right. through it because mentally it's overwhelming. It can take you out. Right. Well, and also on the vendor side, you know, on the, you know, on the, the vendor side, which I'm going to advocate for the vendor side is asking when somebody says I have no money. Sometimes that's a business ploy to get you to lower your rates Right. Sometimes like, and I learned this the hard way. I had a guy that I worked for in the Pacific Palisades, wonderful, nice man. He said, I can't pay my web bill. I can't pay my web bill. As soon as I, I, you know, close this deal, he's a real estate agent. I'll do this, blah, blah, blah. Well, I saw on social media, he bought his kid a BMW to go to Syracuse. Wow. And so I called him up and I said, so-and-so I said, you know, I really need you to pay your bill. Oh, I don't have any money. And I said, really? Because I saw the car that you bought your son. Well, my son needed it. And I said, I'm a single mom. You've owed me this money for seven months now. You're yeah. choosing to pay everything else but me. And you're going to either pay me or I'm going to lean your house. It's really up to you. You know, or, you know, I forget what I, I said. And, you know, he eventually paid me. But I think that a lot of times people use that I have no money. Yeah. Because they basically are saying, I have no money for you. I have right. money for me. I have money for my trip to Cancun. And, you know, he got MRSA on his trip to Cancun. And I saw that online and I laughed. Yeah, that's so funny. But, you know, it's interesting when we have the same issue where when we're, we used to collect from clients, trying to collect from clients. Yep. And, uh, you know, my office manager was great. She'd say, um, so did you get good service? Yeah. Did we do the best we could in terms of getting you your refunds and all that stuff? Yeah. Yep. Did there, did anything go awry? Nope. Um, and, and she would just go through a series of questions. Yep. I was totally satisfied with this. And she goes, well, the staff likes to get paid right. and we have to pay the rent and we have other expenses. And so when you don't pay us, we cannot continue to give these kinds of services and we nice. check in the mail credit card right then and there, because we weren't shaming them. We were just pointing out, well, here's the reality of the situation. Right. You're getting them to think about something other than themselves. Yeah. 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 That's probably a better way than me just threatening them. But, you know. <laughs> well, it's more dramatic that way. It's more fun. Yeah. It makes a better story. You know, but I think everybody who's a, you know, especially a small business owner or when you're starting in business, you know, like now I get 75% paid up front. 
You know, I didn't have the confidence to do that, Bob, when I was, you know, in my 30s and just building my business and, you know, driving my old car and trying to figure out, you know, what I'm doing. But now I'm like, and it's funny because if somebody doesn't want to pay me up front next, yeah, like blow through the nose. That's the other thing that I think uh, working with wealthy people and their families is saying no to business that either you're worried you're not going to get paid. Or the person's such a big pain in the tuchus that they're not going to be worth the dollars. I did a job recently, Bob, and I, you know, here I am, you know, almost 50 years old going, how could I get duped like this? I agreed to take this job and I did it. And two hours working with this team, I was done for the day. I had no energy left. I was so annoyed. I was so frustrated. They were so rude. And because I signed the contract, I had to finish it. But I was like, those two hours took like six of my money hours. Like I literally lost money doing this job, even though I got paid for doing that job. And that's something that the wealth mindset taught me of going, how much does this earning of this money take from you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's so important. You know, I had a client who uh, was a trainer and uh, he had a person that would cancel on him all the time and he would get, he was angry. And I said, well, figure out how much you would feel okay about when the client cancels on you of accepting the money. And he said, well, I think I'd want to double or triple the rate. So he tripled the rate. The guy had money. So he was like, okay. And if you cancel, you have to pay me this much money. The guy's like, okay. But it was tolerable because he figured out what was the pain, uh, pain point. Right. Right. Because I think a lot of times people don't realize, you know, that, you know, like I coach a lot of internet brand strategy websites, you know, I've done them for years. I've, I've, you know, worked in sales. I I do internet radio is a lot about branding companies, you know, and using these, you know, popular tools today. And it's like, if they cancel, you know, I have not only set things aside, but I've also maybe taken time last night to prepare or, you know, driven somewhere. And, and that, that's a hot button. Like if you cancel on me more than three times, I just, I don't want to work with you, but I think I'm going to do that triple the, you know, triple my (laughs) hourly rate and go, you know, if you cancel, it's going to be this plus this penalty. Yeah. Yeah. Because then you can feel good about it and not resent because you like, this is what I'm okay with this. Right. Um, uh, then he used to look forward to the guy canceling. <laughs> Me too. Like I could imagine that. I'm like, wow, that's like like golden time at the studios. Like I get three times my rate, you know. Yeah. And I think the other thing too is the integrity thing of I want to work, Bob. I don't want to get money for nothing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so if I'm going to take you on as my client, that means time away from my kids, time away from the personal things that I like to do. And right. it means time away from the work that I love to do. So if you yeah. waste that of mine, like now we're getting into an integrity issue. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it goes back to boundaries, being clear, being explicit, and, and then following through so that people understand impact. Absolutely. You know, and that's, I'm glad that we have conversations like this, Bob, because, you know, these are not conversations most small business people can have. 
they right. don't have anyone to help them. You know, right. they, no one helped me except I started asking, I started asking, you know, these, these, you know, people who went from, you know, nowheresville, like I had this Romanian guy who went from, you know, absolute abject poverty to leasing jets to third world countries. Like right. I wanted to know how he did that. And, you know, and he was very clear. He's like, I didn't get married till I was 40. He said, it took all of my time and energy. And then once I got to be 40 and I had some money, then I got married and I had my kids. He's like, you can have it all. You just can't have it all at the same time. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Uh, absolutely true. And I, it's so important to plan ahead. And, and I, you know, I, the, I had a guy, a UPS guy that came to my office and he's, he was there for like 15 years. He goes, Oh, I'm retiring. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You're retiring. You're only like 45. And he said, well, um, the thing is, and he was really smart. So I always thought, why are, you know, why are you just delivering packages? You're so smart. And he said, well, actually I started working at UPS when I was 18. I knew if I worked 25 years, I would get a full pension. And uh, I worked the early shift so that I could be at all my kids' baseball games and be with them through high school. They are now graduating high school. I am now finished, fully vested in a pension. And now I'm going to go out and do all the things that I've always wanted to do. Um, and I'm securely taken care of in terms of finances. And I was like, what a brilliant plan. Yeah, that is a great plan. You know, we, I see that a lot with my military friends. They do their full 20 or police and fire. And then, you know, and a lot of them have a side hustle that they're working on the last couple of years before their retirement. So they have seed money, you know, to fund whatever their next adventure or, you know, maybe it's a company. Maybe, you know, I have a, a policeman in my neighborhood who's made the most beautiful landscaping company after his police work. And he puts security cameras in. He knows exactly, you know, where weak spots are in houses so you know in the luxury home market that's a real bonus to have your landscaper know how to landscape for safety like right pretty cool that's that's awesome you know but you gotta have that solid financial base to be creative and to to take some risks you know in growth but bob i want to thank you for being my guest today you can check them out at the money nerve you've got a book out there you've got a podcast what your what's your podcast called Uh, Money You Should Ask. Money You Should Ask. Love that. So you guys check it out. Please, please, please be mindful with your relationship with money because it can work for you or it can work against you. And we want you guys to have all the things that I had from a little girl in Buffalo. Bob was a little guy in Tennessee, you know, and we've created a wonderful life for ourselves. You can too. We'll be back again next week. Thanks for spending time with us today on Military Mom Talk Radio. We've got more than 200 episodes available to you anytime on iTunes or at our website, MilitaryMomTalkRadio.com. Find us on Facebook or Twitter. We look forward to another great conversation with you on Military Mom Talk Radio.